Two Bikes Talking Tech is supported by Dropbox, trusted by 8 million Australians to keep their files safe, synced and easy to share with anyone. Try Dropbox for business free for 30 days at dropbox.com slash business. Hosting for Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. There is a lot going on in technology, as always. For the latest news and information about technology. It's fantastic to get these speeds on a mobile phone, isn't it? The speeds on this thing are amazing. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Very nice, snappy performance. It's a good phone. Yeah, there's a few pros and cons with this. With Trevor Long from your tech. Now, my advice to people who like this kind of service is... And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. I really like this new service. Gives you that flexibility to hear your music anywhere. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen and Trevor always providing the best advice. Lots to talk about on Two Blokes Talking Tech. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech, episode 233. uh, Brought to you, as you've heard, by Dropbox and also our good friends at Netgear. netgear Netgear.com.au. Tell you about them shortly, but... Joining me each and every week, my name's Trevor Long. I'm from eftm.com.au, and you can follow me on Twitter at Trevor Long. This man you can follow on Twitter at Stephen Fenny. You can read his news and reviews each and every day of the week at techguide.com.au, and he's he's jetted, he's jet-setted all the way to London. He's Stephen <laughs> Fennick. G'day, mate. Hello, mate. How are you? Good morning, I should say. In fact, it's morning here, but anyway. Oh, I'd, I'd be interested in feedback from, from the listener. And when I say the listener, I mean, there's, no, there's more than one of you. I'm aware of that. But it's interesting, mate. You are, as a bit of background for people, you know, we live on different sides of Sydney, so we're not together all the time. And our connection yep. is very interesting sometimes. We converted to FaceTime a little while ago because we just the, the sounded better. Um, I think the quality uh, of the line is a bit better. But I'm going to tell you right now, mate, you are, as I understand it, hotspotting on your Vodafone roaming phone yep. into your computer here. Mate, I'm telling you, the, the quality of the connection may well be better than your Optus cable at home. Well, I, uh, I'm i on Vodafone. See, this is the $5 a day roaming plan. Uh, if you're a Vodafone customer, it may it's usually 3G. I know it is in the US. Some countries, and luckily uh, the UK over here, they you can roam on 4G, which is why we've got this great connection. Yeah. So uh, I'm on Vodafone UK. It's got four bars of 4G. But I did make a bit of a mistake on the way over, Trevor. We, uh, the, our flight, our Qantas flight came from Sydney via Dubai, then mm. into London. I mistakenly thought that oh, Vodafone no. covered Dubai as well, the United Arab Emirates, for $5 a day. Uh-oh. I received the, the, the text message and assumed it was telling me that it was 5 bucks a day. To my horror, I discovered that uh, by connecting my phone as a hotspot and upgrading, updating Tech Guide for about an hour, I spent uh, $55 in data, which is really nice to know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was. I got a little notification for Vodafone to say, uh, you've gone uh, 50 bucks over your normal bill. And I went, what? So I checked it, and, yeah, that was it. I, I, I did. It told me that it was a dollar a megabyte and a dollar per minute or whatever the call rates were. So I rang my wife, rang my dad, got on the, got on the internet, <laughs> 55 bucks later here we go but anyway we've got a good connection here in london we're doing okay i had the same thing in abu dhabi on the way back from uh, ifa i think it was where i knew though luckily but i had to do one radio interview and they had me on hold for like probably 10 minutes and then the interview was five or six and i said to the producers cheers for the 20 dollars you just made me spend anyway it is uh, it's good to have your company Stephen. despite the fact that we are now on the other sides of the world uh this is two blokes talking tech let's get cracking with the news in technology this week two blokes talking tech you're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. 
So, Apple Pay is, um, we've talked about this for a long time. It was announced in uh, Cupertino at the Apple Watch event, um, you know, well over 12 months ago now. Um, it was coming to America very quickly. It, it was, you know, never indicated that it was coming to Australia, but we always knew it would because Australia has the highest per capita adoption of tap-and-go payments in the world. But that also has stood in the way of it coming here. The bank's have still not got on board with Apple, but American Express have jumped ahead and and in Canada and Australia launched Apple Pay only for people with uh, American Express-issued American Express cards. So if you've got a a bank, uh, like an ANZ-issued card with a little Amex logo on it, it won't work, and none of the bank cards will work. But... Forget all that for a minute because that's that's the fine print and it's it's disappointing. But I I think just just the fact that Apple Pay is working will put some pressure on the banks because of the convenience. Man, I've been hanging out for this, especially since Amex announced yeah. it was coming because I've got an Amex card and um, it is everything I thought it was going to be and more. I've watched a million videos. I know exactly how it works. Uh, you know, but I sat down for the obligatory briefing with Apple to understand how it worked and it clarified everything I'd already known. And, you know, this morning I got up, I opened the wallet app and Apple Pay was available. I quickly yep. entered my card details and within five minutes, um, I'd verified myself via a two-factor authentication. Um, my card was added and then I, I, I drove to a petrol station, <laughs> Shell, because Shell accepts Amex, um, and mate, I said to the bloke, that, two- "That's half the problem, is it? Not every store accepts Amex, does it? Like, oh, uh, yeah. Amex, yeah. You know, you know look, there's a couple of things. Obviously, there's the number of people with Amex, and then there's the the number of stores that that, uh, that accept it. But you know, I said to this bloke at the Shell service station, I said, mate, just don't freak out here. But I'm a, I'm going to pay with my mobile phone, and B, I'm going to video myself doing it as well. Um, and it was, it's just so easy. You know, the 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 amount comes up on the little you know terminal that you that you're paying on, and at that point, you pull your phone out of your pocket. You don't press anything. It's just off. It's locked, and you put it near the 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 reader, and the screen light. Up, it shows your Amex card. You put your thumb on the fingerprint reader, and it's paid. Um, I did it later in the afternoon with the Apple Watch. Same thing. You walk in, you say, "I'm paying, paying by card, thanks." They they register the amount, and you double tap the the friends button on the Apple Watch, and it, it initiates the um, the Apple Pay. And you just put your watch near the reader, and it's done. And you don't even need the phone with you to pay with an Apple Watch. So, look, uh, it sounds like a gimmick, but for me. This is genuinely the future of a walletless society. We don't need to have a wallet. We don't need to carry a wallet because our our phones can do all this. We've seen it before. This is a, a much more frictionless and much more secure way of paying because you are validating every payment with your fingerprint. Uh, and, Stephen, I can't wait to not have a wallet. Yeah, okay. My turn to talk now. was one bloke talking tech for a while there. Good on you, mate. But the uh, Apple Pay, right? This is a great start for us here. For well, I'm not in Australia at the moment, but it's got to be this app. Now that American Express is on board, and not not many people have got that yet. Twenty. Not many people have American Express cards. Yep. Not many people accept American Express, but it's going to pave the way. I think what it's going to do, it's going to put pressure on the other card holders, the other cards, to try to add their their cards to this system as well, because if I know, I know Apple like to do it their way. Apple Pay, they have, uh, you know, they're going to obviously take, click the ticket on the way through here. But unless most of the cards accept it, I think it's going to be a little bit embarrassing for Apple if they don't get them on board. You've got to remember, too, that we've got Samsung Pay coming across also. 
Samsung Pay was supposed to start this year mm. for, with using the Note 5 and the, and the Edge 6, uh, the, the Edge Plus as well. So there's some competition in the market here. Who, who are the banks going to go to? Which of the cards going to get, or, or which of these systems going to get all the card holders? Uh, it's interesting little battle there. It, it's interesting because the consumer needs to ask. I had lots of people say, "Oh, but it's not my bank," and I just kept saying, "Ring your bank. You got to ring. You got to tell them you want it because otherwise they just think they're already giving you the best service." Now, you know, yeah. you, David Jones, Coles, Woolies, Shell, Meyer, Target, Bunnings, McDonald's. I mean, there's a bunch of places you can use it, and the good thing is they're big end of town, right? They're every, everyday shopping. So when people see other people, even though it's 20% of people with an Amex card, when people see people doing it, and, you know, stories will start to emerge that it is more secure and safe than tap-and-go payments generally. Because remember, a tap-and-go credit card uh, can be, you know, nicked out of your wallet and tapped and tapped and tapped to get 100 bucks at a time. And, yes, you get your money back after a few weeks of investigation. But, you know, mm. fraud is a, is, a, is, a, is a problem with regards to theft of these cards. And the amazing thing is, mate, there's no $100 purchase limit with Apple Pay because it is so secure. Because it's, it's, it's using your credit card, eh? Because it's a credit card payment. No, no, but there's a $100 limit on all tap-and-go payments in Australia, right? Mm-hmm. With Apple Pay, there is no $100 limit, even though it's a tap-and-go payment, because... It's, it's more secure than chip and pin. Your fingerprint is more secure than chip and pin. So, you know, yeah. I just think it's time to put pressure on the banks. I have always said that the Combank is super innovative, and I love what they've done over the years with, you know, trying to bring this technology to, to people. And, yes, on Android phones, you can use the, um, the, the Combank app to make a payment. But you've got to unlock your phone. You've got to find the app. You've got to go into the app. And then you've got to make the payment. Oh, it's yep. it's a lot lot frictionless here's, with here, Apple Pay. Here's another issue, I think, and, and this I I found this when I was trying to use my Apple Watch as my boarding pass when I was in the US a couple of months ago. There's going to be a lot of people who are willing to use their watch. In this case, we're talking about Apple Pay, but there, I do remember something happening when I tried to use my watch as my boarding pass. And this is in the U.S., mind you. This is not in Australia. This is in the U.S. where you th- it's a lot more widespread and more use, used in, in, than in, is in Australia. And I found the terminal couldn't handle, uh, wasn't built to take the watch. Now, it's okay with your phone because it's quite flat. You can put it on the desktop. But with the Apple Watch, I would have had to take in the watch off, put it underneath the reader, and that would have all, it's taking it off would have locked it. It would have had to unlock it. So that's the issue, another issue that, that I think people need to be aware of, that there'll be a lot of customers that are willing to pay. They want to pay with their watch, you know, they want to do it, but there'll be places that won't be equipped for it. That is unique. To, tap, that's unique tapping to go is different. It is different because you're used to tapping with your, with your phone, but that's what I found where, you know, there's all this is great new system, but not every place is equipped to do it. Yeah, I, look, I agree. That's unique to airlines, though, because, you know, you have those ones that, that read from the top down, and that's why you can't fit your, you fit your wrist under them. Virgin, Virgin allow it, Qantas don't in terms of physically, but there's no tap-and-go terminals that aren't just an open, you know, thing on the desk. So the bottom line right now is people who want to use a, a service as convenient as Apple Pay and are not an American Express cardholder, which is the majority, need to ring their bank. You need to ring your bank and say, why the hell can't I use Apple Pay? And they'll say, do this, do this, do this, and use our app. And you just say, it's not as convenient as Apple Pay. And hopefully, the overwhelming number of people over time asking the question will put some pressure on. And, mate, all it will take is one bank, 
One bank falls, they all have to follow. So That's exactly right. I think what you said earlier was spot on where the, the customers, if they put pressure on their banks to say, look, if they ask for it, if the, if the banks see demand for it, then they'd be mad not to do it. All right, Apple Pay's working. Uh, it's pretty easy to set up, but if you want instructions and whatnot, at eftm.com.au. We talk about a lot of apps uh, on the program, and there are literally millions of them. But how many of them do you think can claim to maybe be able to save your life, to have the potential to save your life? Well, one of those apps is called Skin Vision. And did you know that this week is actually Skin Cancer Awareness Week? So obviously, Skin Vision comes into its own here. Now, basically what it is, this is an app that allows you to photograph and analyze the moles and skin lesions on your body. Now, as as we know, moles can that, are, that change color, if they're in the sun, they change color, change size. That could be a sign that you're developing a melanoma, which is skin cancer. Now, to get to get yourself checked out, you've got to go down to a dermatologist, you've got to get all your moles studied and they measure them and then you go back six months later. It's quite a task. Well, with the Skin Vision app, and this is incredible how it can do this, it's not just a glorified camera that just takes a photo and stores it on an app. There's actually an analysis that happens on the spot that can, can use fractal geometry to look at the different moles and apply this technology to give you on the spot a, a notification to say, well, yep, you should get that one checked out. That one's okay. It also keeps a, a gallery of pictures so you can send it along. You can check it yourself. And there's also the functionality to send it to your GP. Remarkable app that, as I said, has the potential to save your life. And, you know, it's funny because it was only last week we talked about DreamLab, the Garvin Institute Vodafone app, which was helping to research the fight against cancer. And this I I had a lot of contact with the people promoting this app um, over the last two weeks, and to be honest, it was one of those ones, Stephen. And this is this is just the way life is, unfortunately. Um, and PR companies probably just need to deal with it. Some things grab your attention. Some things feel like they're probably a bit of a stretch. And this felt like a stretch to me. I'm like, really, my phone's going to tell me whether that mole has got given me skin cancer. And but it wasn't until I you know finally got it, downloaded it, and I went, oh, I'll take a photo of a freckle, and it came back you know low risk. I went, yeah, no, you know, no, no joke, obviously. And then, I mean, you know, most people, especially Aussies, have got uh, a mole somewhere on them that's, you know, maybe not not exposed to the sun, but it just, you know, sometimes they look hideous. They're big black things on, you know, white skin. They they look worrying, and you get them checked by the doctor. The doctor says, no, no, it's cool. So I took a photo of one that I've had over the years checked by a doctor many, many times, and I thought. The av- you know, someone built an app and they just went, okay, contrast, skin versus mole, it's big, it looks terrible, let's just get that one checked. But this thing came back low risk, it had that fractal analysis on it, it blew my mind. And the, even though it's an okay one, then you take a photo every month and you come back to your doctor in 12 months and you say, here's 12 months worth of photos. And you've got an evolution of the mole and, and that's how the doctor can make an assessment. Apparently yeah, the thing is, uh... is as good as the doctor's, you know, the human eye of the doctor as well. Yeah, well, it's it's un, it's important to note that in Australia, two in three Australians by the age of seventy will develop skin cancer. Mm. So we live in we live in kind of the skin cancer capital of the world, where you know we're, we're an outdoor society. We we love the outdoors. We love the sun. We love the beach. 
And this is just something that that everyone needs to really take take note of. And being Skin Cancer Awareness Week, there is a special offer actually with the Skin Vision. What it allows you to do is uh, download the app, which is free. It's free on iPhone, and it's and it can only be used on Samsung Android devices for some reason. But what it is free to download, but what you do also get for free is a year's subscription to the service. So that analysis, because it goes out to the internet, brings back the results. That is free. So it's valued at $38. So if you download the app before November the 21st, which is the end of Skin Cancer Awareness Week, mm. you get all that for nothing, which is you've literally got nothing to lose. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. The link to that uh, that promotion is on Stephen's website, uh, techguide.com.au, as well as uh, information about the app itself. Uh, it is just a great little thing to have on your phone and check it out because, uh, as Stephen started off by saying, it is Skin Cancer Awareness Week. So why not exactly that? Be aware. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long. Stephen and Two Blokes Talking Tech is supported by Dropbox, trusted by 8 million Australians to keep their files safe, synced and easy to share with anyone. And Australian companies such as Bauer Media, Campaign Monitor, Shoes of Prey, Suntory, Bellroy, they all use Dropbox for business to help their team members work together, no matter where they are or what tools they use. And the thing here is that Dropbox for business is almost exactly the same as your personal Dropbox. So if you've got people in your teams who've been using Dropbox over months or years, it's an easy transition. They know exactly how to use it. They know how it works. They know how to use and share files. So that's fantastic. And then you've got the back-end administrative functions and features that you would expect of a business-grade tool. Get your whole team on Dropbox for Business today to keep your information easy to manage and secure with a 30-day free trial. Try it free at dropbox.com slash business. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, the padlock is something we've that's been around for, oh, you, you could probably say, is it over 100 years old, the padlock? Probably is, oh, isn't it? Surely. Well, it has been... Uh, a while since any kind of innovation has been applied to the humble padlock. Well, Australian company called Dog and Bone have come up with LockSmart, which is the padlock for the 21st century. And what it basically does, it's got Bluetooth on board, uses your smartphone as the key. Now, the beauty of that is that you don't have to remember a combination. You don't have to ha- have to actually carry a key, but because it's through your smartphone, you can secure your sheds and your garages, your gates, and anything you secure with a padlock. But you can also share access. So say you've got a gardener turning up in your property and there's a padlock on the gate, you can remote access, you can allow them remote access from wherever you are, open up the lock, let them in. You can even take a log. You can log when the gate was opened, the lock was opened and unlocked. Uh, you can control multiple padlocks through an app as well. It's a really uh, – you'd think someone would have thought of this sooner, but uh, an Aussie company has done it, LockSmart. It's very simple. Um, it, this I was talking to the, the guys at uh, Dog & Bone who, who released this product about it, and I said, well, no, no, I've got one of these. It's on my front door. It's a Kivo. Uh, and they go, no, 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 not, not, a, not a door lock. This is a padlock. And, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, whether it's a chain around your bikes or on the side gate, whatever, as you said, um, it's the same technology as we've talked about, you know, over a year ago with the Kivo. But it's, it's that 
it's that freedom from keys. It's that freedom from, you know, having to carry additional things around, but also giving access to multiple people and the logs, man. I mean, that's such a cool thing. Imagine, imagine, you know, being able to actually see when the gate is open and shut. It's just such a simple little idea. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you're right, kind of, kind of strange, well, not strange, great, but it's an Aussie company. Yeah, well, they're available now. I think there there's two models. There's an there's a eight millimeter and seven millimeter model. Well, the eight millimeter models available later this month. I think this week they're going to come into the country. Then in December you'll be able to order the smaller version as well. But you can you can have several locks on your app, and you can you can use even the Touch ID on your on your smartphone. So on your iPhone, you can use Touch ID to unlock it. Mm. You can set a passcode, or just simply hit, hit the icon within the app to unlock it as well. So uh, it has it has again another product with the word smart at the start of it. There's a few of them. We're going to talk about a couple more in the show, but. We're sort of heading in that direction. If it's you're all, not smart, you're going to get left behind. If if you're not in the smartphone age, you are fighting fighting evolution. Basically, you've got to have a smartphone these days for for everything in your life. So check it out. Uh, information on that one at techguide.com.au. And, of course, we do it all each and every week. Thanks to the good folk at Netgear, netgear.com.au. And, hey, the, don't forget to like them on Facebook too, okay? Netgear Australia. Just search there for uh, for Netgear. You can find a link to that at uh, netgear.com.au. And while you're there, check out the Arlo range of smart home security cameras. The uh, the entry level here, just one camera, is $349. But remember, that comes with the, the base station, everything you need to simply expand the system from that point on. You can buy another camera without the, the overhead of the of the uh, base station and all that. And it's so simple, 100% wire-free, waterproof, HD recording. Um, and because it's wire-free, you can put them anywhere. I was talking to someone the other day who's, who's about to buy a, a couple of Arlo cameras, and they said that, they can have a couple of mounting points, you know, one at the back and, and one in the lounge room, for example, and they can put the put the camera out the back on the days or the or the times where they're away and or the dogs out the back, and they can move it inside when they when they don't need it out the back. You can set alerts, alarms, different times of the day. The thing uploads every bit of motion it detects under your guidance and, and different times of day to the cloud. The cloud is easily accessible because it's Australian-based, and you can access it on your smartphone, your tablet, anything you like. It's very easy to use. Probably the easiest um, smart home security system available, and it's from Netgear. It's called Arlo, A-R-L-O. You can find it at big retailers, including JB Hi-Fi. And for more information, go to netgear.com.au. I love the fact that every now and then I turn around and Siri's been um, basically dictating everything I say because something I said uh, sounded like, hey, Siri. So I've literally got a whole page on my phone of, of what I just said about Netgear. It's quite- That's Skynet, That's Skynet <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. That's the machines taking over. I often do that on, on, on the radio just for fun, just say, hey, Siri. And just hope that people's phones at home are just starting to listen and pop up and stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, Garmin, um, it's interesting, Garmin. You think, you know, and sat navs, and then they did a lot of cycling stuff, but then they got into the health and fitness. You know, a couple of weeks ago, they had that really cool rear radar system for bikes, and now they've come out with a set of smart scales. I think they're called the Index Smart Scales, but essentially Wi-Fi connected scales. Now, this is not the first time we've seen this. I've had a set of Wi-Fi connected scales for probably five years from uh, from Wii Things or Wii Things, whatever you want to call them. Um, but it's um, it's so cool to have for for a couple of reasons. Firstly, um, they're Wi-Fi connected, not just for for hits and giggles. 
um, it allows you to store data. So you jump on the scales every day and it just comes up with a big thumbs down for me. No, it actually actually reads out your weight, but it also <laughs> tells you, um, you know, body mass index, bone mass, all these kind of muscle mass, all these different readings that it can make. But then it uploads that to the cloud. So on your smartphone, you can, you can track that. And if you're using it in conjunction with things mm. like VivoFit and stuff, you can you can kind of really merge the data together. But then up to 16 people can be registered on it. So the average family or even small business, frankly, um, everyone can can have a profile. It knows who you are when you stand on it. And I think they're about 250 bucks. I think these are a really cool smart home thing that people wouldn't wouldn't think about because who'd think the bathroom scales were an Internet of Things item? Yeah, well, I stood on mine and said one at a time, please. My wife <laughs> said to me, but. Um, that that that's beside the point though, but it is good that you, you, Garmin already have the tools for you to analyze what you do during the day, your activities, your fitness, even your sleep, and bringing those all full circle. So it can this can kind of measure the results of your efforts, because at the end of the day, people want to be fit, they want to stay in shape, they want to lose weight. This is a great way to tick that box as well. So it, it really does a great job there. It's connected by Wi-Fi. Uh, but it can also measure your weight, as you said, but body mass index, body fat, muscle mass. So all these extra stats you can gather and recognises up to 16 users. So uh, as you said, it could be an office, could be a, a, a large, very large family as well using it. And battery lasts for up to nine months as well. Not, not, not cheap, but if it does fit into the ecosystem, if you're in the Garmin ecosystem, it does fit in there quite nicely as well. If you do have the Garmin Vivo Fit or the Vivo Active or one of their Phoenix watches, they all work on the same app as well. So it can collect all that data and it displays it right there so you can see the results of your efforts. Easy to use, um, a great little product, and uh, as we say, it won't be the last time we talk about uh, smart things, even on this show uh, and over the years, because the Internet of Things is genuinely happening. The number of connected devices is almost mind-blowing, and we should do a little. In fact, it would be interesting for people that are um, kind of adept enough and, and maybe have a router that they, they know how to log into it, if you can see the number of, of devices in your home that are, that are connected uh, to your router, I'd love you to tweet us uh, at Trevor Long, at Stephen Fennick on the Ziggy Zaggy hashtag. How many devices are connected to your router? I've got 34 right now, and this is 10 o'clock at night. Um, 10 o'clock at night, there's 34 devices in my home connected to the router. Um, the average home is, is creeping up to 10, I think, and uh, it won't be long before when you consider PowerPoints, scales, and all those different things. Are connected, so uh, it'd be interesting to see what's in your home. So if you're if you've got a, a router like a netgear that, that'll tell you how many devices are connected, jump on the the Twitter and tell us. Ziggy Zaggy's the hashtag. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now we've already heard of the smart cup. Actually, uh, apart from all those other smart devices we've spoken about just today, but there is a company in Melbourne called Frank Green. They're an innovation company. And one of the earlier products they come up with was the, was the smart cup. And the idea behind that was you rock up to your cafe or restaurant that are participating in the cafe pay system. So it's like a, a, a system that you register your credit card and then you, whatever purchase you make, you can trigger it with the little chip, the embedded chip inside the smart cup. So if you want to buy a coffee, you use this reusable cup. So it's good for the environment. You're not keep continually using and, and throwing away cups. Uh, but you can also, by tapping the lid on the uh, on the terminal, you've paid for your coffee at the same time. It goes back to your cafe pay account as well. Well, what Frank Green has done has also they've introduced a new 
device into the family, and it's the smart bottle. Now, this is obviously a larger a container. It's got a clear, clear surface so you can see what what's inside. But it is ideal for, and there, this is very popular, people heading off to uh, cafes and juice bars, smoothies, rather than you, again, using their takeaway cups, you bring your own smart bottle. And again, it does have embedded in the lid the uh, that, that little chip so that you can uh, add that payment to your cafe pay account. And it's small enough to fit in your drink holder in your uh, in your car, in your cup holder in your car, and also in the bottle holder on your bike. So really handy. Oh, I couldn't use one myself because I wouldn't drink a smoothie. I wouldn't put... Uh, yeah. It's, um, it's another example of bringing together the kind of innovative ideas, you know, the tap-and-go stuff, like, um, uh, as you said before, with the smart cup and, you know, your coffee orders and that whole uh, loyalty mechanism. I think this is a big space um, for the future, whether it's through the, 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 the bottle or the, or the cup or whether it's through, you know, your smartphone. It's interesting to see where cafes go building that loyalty through, through people. Um, it's a great little idea. I mean, as you say, it's it's just another nice example of innovation. It's a great looking product too. I mean, it's it's not it a, is, yeah, not to be mixed. It's well designed, but it, it's it's that it's that idea of you reusing the same container rather than having a takeaway container. You throw it in the bin, and it ends up in landfill. So environmentally, it's pretty friendly, but also just it, it's handy because you can leave your wallet at home. You got your bottle with you. You can pay for your juice. You can pay for your smoothie. Whatever you're doing on the go. But the cafe pay system, and, and more more cafes are, are using this. The, the the cafe pay system is actually it's allows you, and as you mentioned, the loyalty. You do get discounts and special offers through the cafe pay as well. You can also pre-order. So say you know you're going to be at the cafe at a certain time, you're on your way there, you can pre-order your coffee, and then it uh, they'll know that you're there as soon as you tap tap your uh, your cup. They, they put the coffee right in there on the spot, and uh, saves you a little bit of time. And, of course, Cafe Pay, the app itself, lets you find on a map the the locations near you that accept that system as well. So it's a smart little system and very well supported by Frank Green with their smart cup and their smart bottle. So uh, anyone who, who likes drinking water, and I understand they're going to release an app next year that will encourage people to drink more water uh, so the smart bottle can help you do that. And every time you do it, I think you can register the, the bottle that of water that you've drunk so you can keep track of how many bottles of water you've drunk. You're supposed to drink a couple of litres of water a day, I understand. I don't do anywhere near that, but uh, anything that can encourage me and help me, I'm open to that suggestion. Check it out, the smart bottle at techguide.com.au. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, a couple of quick ones before we do your minute reviews. I, I saw a photo uh, circulating the, the Twitter sphere and the internet of the, the silly little looking Google self-driving car. But uh, it was an interesting photo because there was a policeman at the window and a police bike behind it. And there, you know, there was a lot of uh, word about why they why the car had been pulled over. And then there was a great story in the Washington Post about, you know, who gets the fine uh, for a self-driving car. And it turns out that in, <laughs> in California, it's, um, you know, it's because it's a kind of uh, temporary legislation to allow it, then Google must uh, allocate someone to the vehicle when it's on the road and that person does get the fine. So that was great. But it had me thinking, Stephen, how do the police pull over a self-driving car? Because... It's 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 self-driving, and um, I put a story up, and I had a lot of comments. People saying, um, uh, "Well, why would they need to? That that car won't speed, and you know, will never break the law." But you know, the the person might have just robbed a bank. Uh, they might be uh, known. You know, there might be a reason to pull the car over. So it was interesting, and I did a bit of research. 
<laughs> I did a bit of research, and it turns out, and wisely, obviously, that not only does the car, you know, intelligently look at everything on the road and people and all that stuff so it knows where it's going and not to hit things and people, but it also keeps an ear and an eye out for flashing lights and sirens, Stephen. So if, uh, uh-huh. if someone comes up behind it with flashing lights and sirens, you'll pull over to the side of the road and uh, wait for the officer to wait. saddle up. I've got it. I got a couple of things to say about this story, Trevor. First of all, I think the uh, the registration of the vehicle, the person, it's like going through a speed camera. It, it, it automatically goes back to the car, the person the car's registered to. I'm assuming, but there is a person in the car. The car's not driving without any passengers in it. There is someone sitting in the car. So the person closest to the steering wheel, I'd assume, would be the person who'd get the fine. Stephen, there's no but steering the- wheel in the Google self-driving car. There's no people. No, there's no steering wheel. It's just a back seat, basically. Okay, but there's someone in the car, though. Well, there might be, but in the future, they might just be running errands. <laughs> it might be Uber, you know, just running errands. They could just be a parcel but delivery. Here's my other question. Mm. How smart would the bank robbers be planning to use a self-driving car as the getaway car? Now, <laughs> 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 oh, let's, let's just think this through. Let's... Yeah, we don't need to drive. We'll get a self-driving uh, car to make our getaway. Well, I'll tell you that at <laughs> right now, them. right now, that'd be pretty stupid because the self-driving car that Google currently have is limited to 24 miles an hour, and that's why it got <laughs> pulled over by the police because they were in a 35-mile zone and they were in, in obstructing traffic. So there is a long it'd future. Be slower. It'll be slower than the O.J. Simpson white Bronco <laughs> chase. It'll yeah. be like that. Yeah, the glove didn't fit, so it's fine. <laughs> Uh, that's, it was just an interesting little observation. Uh, you can have, have a look at that at uh, eftm.com.au. Now, we do like a little bit of a, a good marketing stunt is uh, not too bad to talk about occasionally. They're, they're, they're very clever marketing stunts. I don't mind giving them a little bit of airtime. Uh, the latest one came from Amasim this week, and it was an interesting one because what had happened was there was a bit of a stir on social media when David Hasselhoff, the legendary TV actor from the show Night Rider and Baywatch, uh, he uh, w- went onto social media on Twitter and said that he had officially changed his name. Now, for, for a little while there, everyone thought, what the hell is going on? And it got a fair bit of traction. A lot, a lot of people were talking about it. But then it dawned on everyone that this was a marketing ploy <laughs> from Amasim. Now, Amasim, uh, very cleverly, I think, in this case, they David Hasselhoff changed his name to David Hoff. So what has he done? He Taking removed the hassle. The hassle <laughs> which... <laughs> Which I think was okay. That's I, I read about it on Tech Guy. I think, yeah, yeah I'll pay that. But I'll pay it, it, it as an idea. A lot it's of a great attention. idea. It's a, <laughs> I, I like it because it's bloody hard to get cut through in this day and age, right? When you've got an idea and you're just trying to get a message out. Uh, and you, can you imagine brainstorming that campaign? We're like, so, well, we just want people to know that mate, it's not always about price. It's not always, it's just about the convenience. And someone goes, yeah, it's a real hassle. And they go, wait, wait, what? Hassle. And, you know, can you imagine being the little work experience kid that came up with that idea? <laughs> I always like to think it's a work experience kid or the intern, not not someone that's a heavily paid yeah. ponytail-wearing uh, uh, Porsche-driving, you know, executive. But it, had, it was clever how it, it, like, David Hasselhoff came out. Everyone thought it was serious. Everyone yeah. thought, what the hell is this? What is he doing, Very this guy? Well For a day or two, 
or a day and a half, I remember thinking, what the hell is he, is he doing? Why is he doing it? Like, there were news sites, like proper news sites reporting on it, and everyone was talking about it. It was trending at one stage. Mm. So um, I think Amazing were doing cartwheels at the result of that. So, <laughs> And you've got to remember, Amazing, I understand they're only in Australia, Amazing, so they've got a pretty big name for you know David Hasselhoff, of all people, who is he's a bit of a legend in Australia. People love him in Australia. Yeah. But it was a good score for them uh, to get people talking about it. Good stuff, and I agree. Uh, good on the marketing team. I, 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 I applaud any fun, smart marketing. It's, uh, it's all just, it's all just about awareness, people. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. All right. When he travels, he has a very small, basically a handbag for his clothes and socks and undies. But in his big bag, <laughs> it's always gadgets, and those are the gadgets that Stephen carts around the world to continue. His, uh, his reviews for techguide.com.au and, of course, the, uh, the two products which are selected each and every week at the pinnacle of the reviews for, uh, for the minute reviews here on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Stephen, uh, kick it off with a product we talked about some about a month or so ago, but you've had a good play with them now, the Apple Accessories. Yeah, these new Apple Accessories, we're talking Magic Keyboard, Magic Trackpad 2, Magic Mouse 2. It's been a while since Apple's updated these products, but finally, after a few years, they have come out with these new versions that are a huge improvement over the others. And the biggest improvement is the fact that they don't require AA batteries. That added a bit of bulk to those products. They've now got internal lithium-ion batteries that are charged through a lightning port so that you can simply connect it to a USB port on your Mac uh, and to, to keep them charged. That's also the way you pair them as well. You you connect the lightning port to a USB port on your computer and that's instantly pairing that product. Now in the case of the Magic Keyboard, it is a lot sleeker, a lot thinner. It, it has got a slight angle to the keys. Uh, the, the keys have got the new improved scissor mechanism so it's really easy to type on them. Uh, it reminds me of the new the keyboard on the MacBook, that little the small latest Mac laptop. Uh, the trackpad is actually a little bit bigger now. It's, it, it reflects the same shape uh, as the trackpad on on your actual MacBook before the trackpad was square. Now it's sort of more rectangular, gives you a bit more room for your gestures, and now brings force touch to your Mac as well. Moving on to the Magic Mouse 2, this almost looks the same. Biggest change, of course, is on the base. There's no more battery uh, hatch on the bottom. Thing, though, with this one, the lightning connector is on the bottom of the mouse. So if you run out of power... You've got to actually, you won't be able to use the Magic Mouse 2 while it's charging. I understand if you, if you connect it for about half an hour, you'll get about two hours of use out of it, but it needs to be charging for a couple of hours to get the full recharge of the battery. So that might be one that you want to charge overnight. Now, the one other downside of these products too is that they're, they're not the cheapest in the world. The Magic Keyboard is $199. The trackpad is $169, and the mouse is $129. But as I said in my review on Tech Guide, these are excellent products, high-quality products that you're going to get a lot of use out of for years to come. So that's probably the only downside is they're a little bit on the costly side, but you are buying quality right there that's going to last you a long time. Cracking product, but I agree with you on the, um, the, the, my biggest problem is the charger at the bottom of the mouse. It's just a little weird. Um, it could have been on the side, but so be it. That's yeah. how Apple works. I expect a second version of that within a year, personally. Uh, two blokes talking tech. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening 
to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And the other product, but you haven't been lugging this one around, but you are able to use this while you're overseas, Stephen, the Swan Video Monitoring System. Absolutely right. And full disclosure here, Trevor, I have been, I have done an infomercial that is seen on mornings and have done a couple of ads. But before I did any of those things for Swan One, I said, look, I want to try this system out for a start. I want to review it. And that's exactly what I did. The Swan One kit, there's a few to choose from. The one that I reviewed is the video monitoring kit, but you can also get an alarm kit and you can also get the home control kit that kind of has all the, all the bells and whistles, all the sensors. For mine that I use, the video monitoring kit comes with a hub and it's 699.95 so the smart hub you connect to your router and it's very easy to then go step by step to connect the system you go to the swan website you enter the mac address of the both the hub and if you have a camera that as well and it is a simple process then to go through pair your different sensors there's a door window sensor there's a dedicated motion sensor there's also a smart view camera as well that can detect movement can also obviously give you a great view, a live view into your home through the app on your smartphone as well. Now, the smarts of the system allow you to receive those notifications if there's movement, if it hears your alarm going off, even if it hears glass breaking, if there's a window breakage, you can detect that sound and even distinguish that sound from, say, if you've dropped a wine glass or if you dropped a, a normal glass, a plate, it can tell the difference. That's kind of where the smarts of the system come into it. Uh, there, there, there is actually a bonus offer at the moment they're offering an outdoor siren as well if you buy any of these from uh for any of these kits the outdoor siren it's like a 230 siren uh free when you do buy that kit but what what impressed me the most was the ease in which it can be set up the ease in which it can be controlled and i'll be honest when you first set it up the notifications you get are really annoying but you can in the settings uh, adjust that you can you can then have different times of the day where you can tell the system look i'm home now so you don't have to, to tell me about all the notifications uh there are other other settings for, for night time and obviously when you go out there's even scenarios where you can add other devices like smart switches more sensors more cameras that's the beauty of the system you can build it up as well but the swan one kits starting at 499.95 for just the alarm monitoring kit all the way up to 799.95 for the larger kit you get the app is free to download there's also a little key fob to let you turn the system on and off but all over, I think, uh, a great way to start and a really easy way to control your home security system and give you that peace of mind so you can see what's happening live and even receive notifications if something's happening. Check out all the details at techguide.com.au. Well, mate, enjoy sunny London. We will, um, we will uh, just follow your ventures uh, living vicariously through you over the coming days and weeks, but... Uh, We'll be back again next week with two blokes talking tech from some part of the world. As you said, sunny London. I'm just looking out the window here, Trevor, and it's actually teeming down rain. So thank you for <laughs> not lovely wet London it is actually at the moment. And it's about 10 degrees, a lot cooler than it is in Australia. When was the last time they saw the sky there, really? Yeah, the sun, I don't think, had made an appearance since uh, 1997. I'm not sure. Oh, I was going to say, while the Queen's been um, on the throne, but anyway. <laughs> All right, we'll be back next week. Two blokes talking tech. Stephen, uh, safe travels. Thank you. Talk to you next week.